Hey, listeners, ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The best part of spring cleaning is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless and then Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data, unlimited talk and text, delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone and any Mint Mobile plan and bring your own phone number along with your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. My team here, they're on Mint Mobile, and they like it. For a fraction of the cost, Mint Mobile proved to have excellent coverage with no-drop calls or unsent texts. Plus, they make it super easy for me to activate my device just by following a few simple steps online. And bam, done. To get this new customer offer and the new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash literally. That's mintmobile.com slash literally. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash literally. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Mr. Daryl Hammond. <laughs> you haven't changed at all since I've seen you last. You look exactly the same, my good man. You do too. Uh, how do we do it? Well, I don't know, but I'm going to get into that hat action you got going on. <laughs> it's very good. Well, 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 if it isn't you again showing up for my podcast, where I guess I'm showing up for you is the way it works. Well, yeah, that, well, it depends. If you've liked and you've subscribed, which you should do, I show up for you every Thursday, like a little gift into the Christmas tree. But if you haven't, that means you're seeking me out, which I also feel good about, but I'd feel better if you liked and subscribed. Anyway, welcome to the podcast today. Welcome to Literally. Um, I'm really excited uh, to talk to Daryl Hammond. Daryl Hammond, for those of you who may not know, and I think that's probably a minority, is the king on SNL of characters. And he's done everybody you can possibly imagine, from Sean Connery to Clinton to Al Gore, Dick Cheney. I I was lucky enough to do two two episodes with with Daryl, and he's a, a scientist when it comes to this, and just a hilarious, really interesting um, wonderfully offbeat dude. Um, and uh, it's going to be a good conversation. So here we go. It's good to talk to you, man. I'm, I, I'm, I'm psyched. I, I, uh, I have such great memories of, um, I did two, two SNLs with you 
and someone is smoking on the podcast and his name is Daryl Hammond. That's not happening. Your eyes are deceiving you. It could be worse. You could be jeweling. I haven't done any jeweling. No. Uh, what is that? It's not, I was, I was going to say, it sounds like you're very unaware of jeweling. Yeah, I am. What is that? Oh, jeweling is what all the, all the kids are doing, man. It's what the kids do. And, um, they pull out it looks like a Star Trek device. It looks like a, a, a like something you you stick into the computer. I'm so I'm sounding like I'm a hundred right now, and I I'm leaning into it. I don't care. Got it. Um, and you suck on it, and it's got it's vaping basically. It's vaping, but it's a specific brand of vaping. Um, it looks like you're smoking on a computer cartridge of some sort. Have you never uh, been into vaping or even um, nicotine at all? <laughs> In this is going to come as a shock, I'm sure. In the 80s, when I was a proponent of almost anything I could put in my body, um, smoking was was the last domino to fall. Like it started, it started with like Amstel Light with Lauren under the bleachers, and then it would, uh, you know, I, I then we'd part our ways, and then then it would become, you know. I'd, you know, I'd have to find other substances and, and then, and then I would smoke and then, and then I got sober and, um, smoking had no appeal to me until I did, um, uh, a play, uh, a filmed play with, um, Dame Maggie Smith and Natasha Richardson and Sir Richard Eyre, it was all very fancy, of course, and they're very fancy actors, and they smoke like chimneys. Mm. And, and I started doing it during rehearsal, and I came back afterwards uh, to the States. We were in London. Everybody smoked in London then. And I have a vivid memory of going and buying my first pack of cigarettes, because usually it was like bumming from people, because I wasn't, quote-unquote, a smoker. And I had this moment of clarity. It was like, if you smoke this Cigarette, you're a smoker, mm. and I put it down, and I have never smoked a cigarette since. It's so interesting. Um, you know, you you've been in the thick of the most stressful business in the whole world, and managed to avoid a cave in like a couple of us had, and and stayed so friggin' fit. If you don't mind my saying so, you are a fit guy. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, and, um, quite an, and quite an impressionist. Well, that, listen, this is the deep dive I've been so excited to get into with you um, because all of your impressions are great, obviously. Um, but I had the good fortune of being there at the genesis of one of your greatest moments, which would have to be Al Gore's continual use of the term lockbox. You were there that night? So I was there. And one of the greatest things I've ever have been able to experience was watching a presidential debate with the writing staff of Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. And and them go, oh, that's great. That's a great moment. Oh, that, oh that's amazing. That's great. And, that, and so this debate was the debate where Gore kept making a meal out of the notion that funds would be put in a place where they could only be used for what they were designated for. And he kept calling it a lockbox. Yes. And he kept talking about the lockbox. It would be, it would be put in a lockbox. And we're like, we get it. It's it's going in a lockbox. We established that Al. Thank you. And so in the debate, 
uh, in the debate sketch, um, you were very funny with with Lockbox. And your gore has always been genius. What? Trying to remember it. How does it go? Um, Let's see. How does the gore thing go? In my plan. um, (laughs) Is that right? That's Um, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. She tells me that. Well, (laughs) listen. Well, I, I... studied him i studied all fire like he i studied the way he yells the way he might talk <laughs> when he's talking on the pillow talk to someone and then i tried i tried to to enca- encapsulate all the ways that he would sound and but the main thing that happened was jim downey wrote this brilliant debate sketch which which had me doing the huckleberry hound approach to al gore <laughs> You know, <laughs> the Huckleberry Hound Al Gore. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but that's some of the most brilliant. Those words were insanely f- fucking funny, man. So fun. I mean, oh. for those of you out there, so Jim Downey is one of the great writers on the original SNL. He was he was there in year one and has sort of they sort of. He comes back only for politics now, which is always when SNL said it's best in a political year. And the debate stuff is just, I mean, you can, oh. I can remember them, you know, uh, you know, uh, the, I mean, Dukak- from Dukakis to on, it was just, you know, so good. But the the Gore thing is is one of my favorite series, again, because it's so, I'll, I'll know what it is. So oh, yeah, you, you can do it. You can do it exactly. I know you can. Well, you're really, I, I, I was telling an, my one of my agents about your ability, your transformative abilities, which are considerable. Do you remember doing Storm Phillips? I do. Yeah. Yeah, that we, you were there for old Storm Phillips. Remember when Storm Phillips was on NBC? You couldn't get him off your television. It was yeah. like he was he was he, he was like a Dick Wolf franchise. He just would not go away on yeah. NBC. Yeah. And um you were doing Storm Phillips, and uh, he was doing a a feature on Trump. They were interviewing me about what I thought, quote unquote, Trump brain or Trump vision was. And then you were there, and you like started talking like Storm Phillips, and people just fell out because who knew that someone could do Storm Phillips? Well, that's yeah. what I love. I one of the what I like when people do, and and I, I love when people do this sort of you know obvi- Mount Rushmore of people that you want to do, yeah, presidents and famous people. But when you hear an impersonation of someone you've never heard impersonated before, and you're like, "Fucking a, I that's so right." That makes me laugh. And so Storm Phillips, how did Storm used to talk? Uh, oh, well, and for me, when I do something, it's predicated on a move they have. Mm-hmm. As opposed to going, I want to imitate them. Like precisely. Storm Phillips incredibly wooden promos were what made me laugh. Yeah. And I remember doing one doing coming up next, the trampoline, children's play toy, or backyard death trap. <laughs> and oh man. That was the that was literally the 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 joke of it, and I remember uh, I think um, Will Farrell played uh, the stage managers. Um, okay, we're going to do this a little bit. We're going to try to get to the promos a little bit faster, and then I of course have the triple E, children's death toy, or black oak play type. Just that's, 
Oh, man, that's good work. <laughs> it's good stuff. I it's was doing, so funny. I was doing this play about my book, you know, um, this book that I wrote. and Yeah, the title's great. Remind me of the title, If There's, if there's No God. God. What? God, God, if you're not up there, I'm fucked. <laughs> God, if you're not up there, I'm fucked is the title. I don't know why Siri is trying to interrupt my, my interview right now. Hmm. It's going, I didn't get that. Hey, Siri, go away. That was amazing. She literally said, uh-huh, okay, and went away. No. She did. By the way, can I just say something? If there's anybody listening to this podcast who works for whoever makes Siri, I don't appreciate the attitude. It's like, I, I, who put it into the algorithm? Like, well, I will, and I don't want to say it right now because it'll come up on my screen somehow. But if you ask for her to appear, she'll literally go, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, what? The hell? Like, if, if you had somebody who worked for you and you asked them, hey, hey, could you could you step into the office or could we have a meeting or whatever? Like, mm-hmm. It'd be an issue. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, really, who in the mm-hmm. who on God's green earth would ever think that Siri would have a tood? I don't understand it. Siri's got a tood, man. Maybe. It's like, I don't. I mean, if the if the whole point is having a robot, like <laughs> supplicant, whatever, yes, sure. wouldn't you really want it to go the whole route? Yes, it should stand deferentially apart at all times. Yes, sir. No, sir. Thank you, sir. Of course, yeah, sir. ma'am. Any of it? Not it's not sexist. It, it might, and by the way, there are. What, what, I'm surprised. Like, if I were running it, I would have you do the voice of Siri. I don't know. I can't do. I, I don't think I can do women. So you can get men. You have men's Siri has a men option too. They have. They have. Um, uh, there's a. You can get like a French guy. I think. We oui, we oui. we can imagine what he'd be like. Ugh. I mean, can you imagine like just like a totally disinterested like if a totally disinterested Frenchman as Siri would really. I mean, if you're gonna. Oh, she's back. Hey Siri, and now she's on my screen, taking down what I'm saying. She's transcribing this interview. See. Tech is all fucked up. I mean, there's stuff going on now. Uh, it's, the robots are going to come get us, Daryl. Yeah, in a French dialect. That, I mean, that's a comedy bit in the waiting right there. I know. See, I would have loved to have had your job. I really would have. I would have. I, I, I'm not kidding. It's the dream job. Being SNL sitting around pizza at five in the morning going, I, what if Siri were a French guy with attitude? <laughs> yeah, and they pay you. <laughs> yeah, there's probably a little bit more to being on SNL than that, but <laughs> it's probably a little, a little bit more that goes into it. <laughs> like the 20 years you spent prepping to get your, to get get there, and what was your? I ask everybody who I talked to who was on SNL. What was your audition? It was. It took place in Studio 8H. Um. It was me and Lauren and a camera person only in the studio. And I had the distinct impression that maybe he he had to be talked into letting me come out there. I'm not sure he was fully sold on the idea of me auditioning or that I had anything for him. Um, but you know, what, wait, 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 wait. What gave you that idea? The fact that he was asleep because, uh, during the audition? Because, you know, it, the, the disinterest for the first, <laughs> you know, the sort of 
brushing off the shoulder. Mm, that's not <clears throat> a good move. Not a good sign. The fatal. <clears throat> oh, no. <clears throat> and you're like, and I remember saying to myself, okay, so I know, I know I'm not going to get the show. So I'm going to just please God, since this is my last time that I'll be in this sphere, in this hemisphere, let me do a good audition. Let me perform as well as I want to. And I did. I performed as well as I wanted to. But somewhere around minute seven, I checked down to see just how bored he had was, you know, might be now. And he had that hawk eye on me. Mm. Like he saw something that he knew that he recognized. You know what I mean? Yeah, the hot, the Lorne Hawkeye. Yes, who doesn't remember that? And I thought, Jesus, God, Christ. You know, I don't know if what Daryl has is the right thing, but it's our thing. That's very funny. You can do the line. I, I can't do Lorne, but... You can't or you won't. Perhaps I won't. Perhaps you won't. Maybe it's because I know on what side my bread is buttered. You know, the thing about Daryl is he doesn't really eat bread, but he knows what side it's buttered. Yes, there you go. <laughs> so, like, I think it was like two or three years ago, Trump tweeted about something about me. Controversial, you know, complimentary to me, you know, not so complimentary to others and him and. And I was standing in the hall, and I remember thinking to myself, you know, that didn't really, it really didn't do me any fucking favors <laughs> to be tweeted about by the president of the United States, okay? That should yeah. be a good thing. We should yeah. live in a world where you're like, hey, how great is this for me? Not. Yeah. And I, I was like, uh, man. Because I don't know help. if you know this. I don't know if you know this. People in show business love Donald Trump. They love him. Oh, my God. They just love him. I was standing at 8H the next day and right before the entrance to the theater and Lauren was about to whisk by with the three or four smart looking, you know, assistants from Harvard and Yale and mm -hmm. clipboard in hand. And he walks past me and you can tell me that he says the line, the president of the United States knows your name. Oh, and then he kept going. Best. And I fucking, I, I, I fell out. I was like. Didn't make me too happy to see that up there. But anyway, you know, you're there, Rob. You know what it's like to stand there and a, a llama walks by and there's Hillary Clinton. And, hey, ain't that Cam Newton? You know? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I like, mean, I found, I found myself doing a sketch with Ralph Nader. I mean, yeah. you just don't know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, it is one of the great places in the world where it's, it's like, it's like, like kind of like Noah's Ark. There's two of everything. There. <laughs> it's like. You never know what animal is going to be, you know, Studio H is the, is, is the arc. Did you ever have gore? Well, you, I'm sure you had the people that you've, you've done the impersonations with the actual people, which is now, be, it's become sort of a thing on SNL. It's like, I kind of am over it. It's like, I get it. There's this, somebody doing Kamala Harris mm -hmm. with Kamala Harris. I, I get it. It mm -hmm. feels like it's overworked to me. But when you, you were there in an era where that was fresh and interesting, who, who was the first person you did? You did that um, you had to face down that you did. I mean, I, it seems to me one of the first people that I had to face down was Phil Donahue, like oh. doing Phil Donahue for Phil Donahue. Um, there was Clinton. You know, I did a, a couple of banquets with him. 
I did um, a, a thing with Cheney in which at Cheney's request, he had me dress up like Clinton and come and, and literally break balls of his Republican counterparts because Cheney was a really good, really good laugher. He loved to laugh. And he, he, he could amazing. take Yeah. Isn't that great? It's, See, that's the stuff that people just don't ever, you would never think. You know who's a great laugher, just a great guy who gets it and is hilarious, loves a good joke? Dick Cheney. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think that, but he, he, I distinctly remember there was one joke, one joke I told about Gore at a White House Correspondence Center, and I heard Cheney's hand laughing. It's pretty special, pretty great moment. White House Correspondence Dinners, do you think they'll come back? I don't know what in the world, what all in the world is going to come back. I mean, it's the, it's the White House Correspondents Dinner were always such a weird thing because show business people think powerful politicians are stars and powerful politicians think mm-hmm. show business people are stars. And it's this weird mutual admiration society. And again, you get the weirdest groups of people together at the at that. I, I went to, I think I've been to two of them, but- and there, and then the president speaks, and it's always usually until um, Trump stopped doing it. It was always such a great time to see that a president be legitimately funny and show that they got the joke, which I loved. I loved yeah. seeing that, regardless of yeah. how you felt about them. You're like, oh, they get it; they're funny. Yeah, we were all very pleased by what what went on during the night. No one could really say that this benefited our country actually in any way, but it was a damn good time. And you crushed. And because some people, I mean, some people recently have bombed horrendously. Yeah. And and the reason they bomb is because they're, they have a partisan agenda one way or the other. And one of the great things oh. about the night, when it, that's what it is. 100% that's what it is. By the way, you can be as mean as you want. I've seen people be so mean to the president. He's right there. Just so mean. And the president loving it. But that's mm-hmm. when it's clearly... A joke. It's kind of like being roasted when I did the you know comedy when a Comedy Central roast. When you know at the end of the day that the people there love you, you then the meaner they are, the better it is. But if you also know they're being mean because they fucking hate you, that's a whole different vibe. Yeah, but that's a you know you make a really good point. That's the last room in the world where you want to walk out there and not include half the uh, the the political world, right? Like I got some jokes that are going to make Cheney laugh. But they're probably not going to make, you know, the Clintons laugh. But uh, I always tried to do it that I would I would find something funny ish that they did, um, i.e. with Bob Hope. It was Ike's golf swing, you know, <laughs> you know, with Cheney, I made him into sort of this wise, cracking, tough guy that was a little maybe, you know. A little over the top when it came to manners, you know. What what's your process when you they're like you're like, oh, I think maybe they're like, uh, hey, Daryl, um, you've seen in the headlines. So and so was in a did a such and such and we want to do something about them in the show. And you got to go fit. Yeah. And you got to go or anytime. What's your process for figuring out how to do somebody? Or now are there people that you were like, I just can't crack this code. That's happened a number of times, but I never told that to Lauren that I. Until the last minute when I would say, I just can't get this. I mean, the thing about trying to learn a character over there is you're on the clock. You know this. 
You know what it's yeah. like. You've been there. You're on the clock. You got to get this in said number of hours, or let's say it's Thursday. So you need this by Saturday, but that's not all you're going to be doing Thursday and Friday. You're going to do about six other things each day. So really you're going to get three or four hours to bring something out there on stage. It's not always enough time. And it wasn't for me. I had to do, um, they wanted me to do Al Michaels. Um, we did in the sketch ended up being on and, and um, I think they wisely gave Al Michaels to somebody else. Um, but I remember just, you know, looking at video and video and video and listening and video and trying to come up with something. And, and uh, same with uh, the cult leader, Marshall Applewhite, who had all of his followers kill each other in San Diego. And then all, they all wore Nikes. Do you remember this? Yeah. And um, I had to play Marshall Applewhite, by the way, that's when you know you made it in show business. You're like, you're playing the dead cult leader murderer, Marshall Applewhite, on the cold open of Saturday Night Live. You're like, yeah. yes, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Um, who, who Do you remember who you couldn't do? Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't do Newt Gingrich. Um, I couldn't do Danny Aiello. I couldn't do Nick Nolte. I couldn't do Nick Nolte. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. I do a fucking Nick Nolte. You couldn't do a Nick Nolte? No, I couldn't do it. Couldn't oh, do come Jackie. on. No. Come on. Let's go. Let's, let me see. Dude. First of all, I, so I grew up in Point Doom and Nick was always, um, well, I'm going to say it, staggering around uh, Malibu. And What, a, what um, age was he at that time? Um, this was, I would say it was a uh, post cannery row. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, so we're going to say mid, mid eighties pre um, romantic leading man resurgence. Prince of tides. Oh, okay. I love, I love trouble mm-hmm. pre, pre that moment. And um, I remember walking into the, uh, probably to get some beer with um, one of the sheens and seeing Nick and Nick was like, how's your dad? And, and they were like, oh, he's in, he's in, uh, actually down, um, in Nicaragua. And I remember Nick, Nick Nolte going, Nicaragua, Nicaragua, Nicaragua. And backing up in, and fall and falling over into a can of beans and everything falling all over the floor, a display. <laughs> so whenever anybody says Nick Nolte, I, I go, Nicaragua. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. Where else can you go surfing and skiing in the same day? Or check out a world-class art museum and camp out under a brilliant night sky same day. Or hike through the redwoods and get a luxury spa treatment. There's only one answer. California. No matter where you go across this state, you will find a way to play. I, look, I love California. Um, and I have not yet surfed and skied in the same day, although I do do both. So that is on my bucket list. It's the most beautiful place in the world. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. You know the only thing I ever let interrupt my podcast? My dog. Take a minute now. Please, pet your dog while you learn about Bark, the company dedicated to making dogs happy. Every month, BarkBox 
designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. Every toy is tailored to your pup's size and play style. From squeaky plush toys from BarkBox to ultra-tough, durable ones from Super Chewer. Every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Each box is inspired by a new theme and comes with fun surprises for you and your dog. For a limited time, they'll double your first box of goodies for free. I love making my dogs happy. Love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. And my dogs are obsessed with their chewable toys. BarkBox offers treats to keep my dogs healthy and amazing new toys that keep my dogs entertained. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash Rob. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin-softening body wash and scents like Redwood, Wildland, and Stone. And an extra high-quality, amazing-smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. It's all good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash rob. That's harrys.com slash rob for a $3 trial set. So I I uh, have developed a, a Bill Clinton over the years, and yeah. um, I actually was invited uh, to uh, the Clinton um, uh, offices up in Harlem, right. When they first opened them. And I was like, it's sort of like, I used to do this in Lauren's office. He never knew this. Like I would, when the staff was there, I would, um, I would go into the area where they put the cards up for the show and, and go, um, Anna Gastower is a little light. Can we do maybe move her into something, maybe post update and eat the uh, popcorn while I did it. And the staff would fucking lose it. And then Lauren would come in and I'd just sit there. So I, I, I did the same thing at the Clinton Library. I was <laughs> there going, I have to say these hallways are not quite as heated as I would have thought. And everybody, and then the big fellow starts walking down the hallway and then I shut the fuck up and get scared that maybe he heard it. Mm. So I was going to tell you, I did a play at La Jolla Playhouse called The Daryl Hammond Project, right? Directed by Chris Ashley, the Tony Award winning director. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I played a lot of parts in there. And I told them, Rob Lowe can do this. He could do this one-man show because I can't do it. It's too, it's just too funky for me. But you, you're, you, there's 63 parts, and I know you could do it. This sounds great. I want to yeah. read this. Send this to me. 
Seriously? Okay. Yeah, and I want, and if I were to do it, I would not change it to the Rob Lowe project either. It would be the Daryl Hammond project. The problem, well, thank you. I mean, it's, listen, you're playing a cutter at SNL. I mean, how how bad can it be? It's It's got a couple of good moments, right? Right, But yeah. But it's really hard um, because you've got to be able to transform. You got to play three or four doctors. You got to do Clinton is the main one. You got to do Sean Connery, which I know you can do. Yeah, we can do. We figured out Sean Connery. Oh, sure. fuck yeah! You, you really got that in your wheelhouse. Yeah, but I will. I I will have someone send it to you. I would love. Are you kidding me? I want to. I want Al Gore in there. That's my favorite. I'm, <clears throat> well, they have a. There's a scene in the middle of the play where there's a master class where you do your Lauren, your audition for Lauren. So you get to peel off whatever your twenty favorite ones are. You know, oh, um, in the middle okay. of the show. I did. I, I did Eric Roberts on. And that's another one. It's like, that's an obs- the more obscure, the more I like them. I like people doing really obscure. Like, yeah, but gourmet people know Eric Roberts is, 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 a, is nice. That's not a- and, and, and Walken, Chris Walken's another one, but everybody does Chris Walken. But that's it's, okay. It's, it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Uh, obviously, now um, Alec is doing Trump, obviously. Mm-hmm. How do we feel about this? Oh, we're just uh, elated. Uh, that's how we feel. We're elated. I, yeah. Well, listen. Can't win them all, right, brother? You can't win them all. And here's the thing. Can I just say this? And I love Alec. I've had him on the podcast. I've known him forever. I think his Trump is fucking unbelievable. It, it's like um, Tina's um, Sarah Palin for me mm-hmm. in that, like, when I look at them, I actually think I might be looking at them. There's something mm-hmm. about it. it's all morphed. But- I don't love the new thing of um, bringing in top hitting celebrities to do what the cast should be doing. I don't love it. Mm. Don't love it. What do you suppose um, that's about? I wonder. Let me think for a minute. Ratings. Oh, that came up. I got it. That's what it was. It took me a minute. Think of it. Um, you know, I, it's like, I don't know why. I mean, I, it, if it were a one off, I would get it. But but I I, I mean the, the the cast are so great I want to see them do it. I mean it was it was explained to me they were sort of moving in that direction. Weird it's a weird time to be alive. Weird time to be in show business. Yeah. But look look at, look at it this way. It's the other thing is is that you know Lauren's a genius. Nobody else could have kept that show going as long as he have, and this might be the iteration that has it go for another twenty years. True that. You know. Yeah. Um. What is your Trump predicated on? What's the basis of it? I, I don't know. I haven't done it in so long. But Oh, but, you've, you're on strike. No, I, I don't have anywhere to do it. Where would I do it? You, right here. It's been a while. But I know that it's based on Trump's brain doesn't allow much n- certain negativities to seep in. It's almost like... <laughs> It's it's almost like solipsism, you know, where he's the only thing that's real to him ends up being his own appetites, mm. his own desires, his own vision. So that when he comes out there and says something that the Washington Post tells you the next day is untrue, he believes it. Of course. He believes it. So he's not just a con man. That's up there making shit up to try to fake you out. 
at the time he believes it because I, I mean, I don't, I, I've said this to a lot of people and it's, it's kind of a cop out, but it's not, it's the truth. I never really, of all the people I studied, I never studied anyone like him. The, the, yeah. It's, it's kind of like, um, when they used to have ads for in for movies and, and papers and they would take reviews and they would take three lines of the review, but not the other three lines. And then, so I think that's sort of what he does. It's not, he, I think he just sort of cherry picks. Everything's a review. By the way, that is true. Everything is a review to him. Everything. Well, um, so far as I can tell, his main thing each time he speaks is to engage his base and throw them a little red meat and the red meat uh, is sort of like, uh, look, you were fucked. I know you were fucked. Okay, we all know you were fucked, and and I, and I was fucked too, and we were all fucked. <laughs> and then they can start screaming, and then after that, he just goes into word salads and distortion fields, you know. But I, I like, I've studied him a fair amount. I, I think I think word salads and distortion fields might be the title of this particular podcast episode. I think so. Um, I was watching All the King's Men, a movie from the 40s starring Broderick Crawford. There was a line in the movie um, in which um, the Willie Stark character played by Broderick Crawford says, it's not me they're after, it's you. I'm just in their way. And it blew Mm. my mind because Trump says that. Trump actually has a meme online that, that is pure because Willie Stark in real life was Huey Long. Huey Long was right. the the guy back in those days that um, no one could figure out if he was from heaven or from hell, right? Mm-hmm. Doing right. goods for lots of people, but oh my God, what a bad guy. But isn't it interesting that he's doing a line from Huey Long? Well, that's his era, the 40s. Which makes sense. We're all, all of us are stuck in what was cool when we were 20. Right. I mean, you think about it. It really is true. It's like, that's the thing I'm most scared about, about getting older, is that my references when I speak are so dated (laughs) that they, that seems so gross. Because we all know that. We all know people are like, ah, that's just like something Benny Goodman would have played or whatever. You're like, what the fuck? (laughs) Ugh. And I, I just don't, I don't. I don't want to be that guy, but I already find myself being that guy because if you like reference the Rolling Stones, it's like people look at you like the fucking the Rolling Stones. Let's talk about, you know, the weekend or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, fuck, you're just fucked. Richard Lewis used to have have a joke similar to that. He'd be like, back in the 50s, Adelaide Stevenson up. I met Madonna, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's he's a funny fuck god i gotta get him on the show that's a great make a note of that richard richard lewis is a funny funny man holy shit he's funny adelaide stevens i, I meant madonna sorry i meant madonna oh yeah oh that's so got a belly laugh out of you it did um, a funny dude oh you replaced don pardo yeah so Don Pardo was the great announcer, live from New York. And he had that great. Did you do Don or did you do yourself? Well, I did Don a few times while he was still alive when he had um, laryngitis. So when he did pass and Don and I were, I think I was sort of a favorite of his. 
Mm. He was a he was a favorite of mine. So I get this call that um, I'm living in New Orleans at the time. I get this call from Lauren's office and Higgins is involved. And my, it probably was Higgins that called me and said, we want you to do Don Pardo, but not Don Pardo. We want it to somehow be an homage to him. We don't want to hire an announcer, an announcer to replace him. So what we want is to figure out a way that he's still slightly, you know, he's still in it. So we just what we decided to do was uh, color certain vowels. You know, um, people's sound we don't hear it in their their consonants. All our all our consonants sound the same, male or female. They all sound the same. But in in the e's and the i's and the u's, hey. so each time that we announced a, a broadcast, we would pick like featuring. You know, the rest of the time I'm doing like this standard announcer voice, right? But then we would get to featuring musical guest. Yeah, so Don Randy Newman. Yeah. So Don Don is still there in the in the vowels. See that's I love hearing the the you know how the how you make it happen stuff. It was all the vowels. And I learned here's what I learned today that men and women's consonants all sound the same. Yeah. And the, the other thing I like is when you in an, it, when you put something in an impersonation that the person actually doesn't do, but you feel like they should do it. Well, with Clinton, he never went. I never saw him do that. Thumb and li- the thumb. But yeah. the, the way he bites the the biting the lip and then the the thing yeah, the, where you. I did it once at the cellar. It exploded the room. I've seen him bite his lip. Yes. And I've seen him give a thumbs up, but never at the same time, you know, but I, I'm not sure that's what you mean. No, it is what it's exactly what I mean. It's like um, when I I did uh, young Robert Wagner and the Austin Powers movies. You fuck. You're great. <laughs> young Robert <laughs> Wagner. Who the hell? Well, and it was and it was based on um, him knowing the names of all the mater D's in Los Angeles at all the, the restaurants and. That was that was the key for me. That's how I found it. It was like, do you know Gigi at the Palm? Yeah. And and then and then it was him putting the wrong emphasis on syllables, which he doesn't do, but I do when I play him in Austin Powers. So he instead, if he was talking about the island of Fiji, he goes, "I'm going to the island of Fiji." But why does that work so well? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. Wow. Do, do you know my hand got bitten by that mini me? It's yeah. supposed to mini me. It's, it's, it's just like putting the wrong emphasis on shit. But you put that in there. It, it reminds me of something I read by Uta Hagen when she's coaching and she talked about it's not the character. It's you as that character. So that's what you just did. You put in you, you put it in. It's not him, but it's him. But <laughs> it just kind of works it's kind of what you want him to be i don't know you want yeah, it yeah. it's like a fantasy of somebody i don't know yeah it's like you're using your body to depict something that that's unseen about the guy there's a great um debate thing maybe you did it remember the debate they used to have the format where you could wander around the stage what do they call it it's not a town hall maybe maybe it is a town hall but where they there was basically no podium and they would they could wander yeah it was town hall cuz they could wander up to town the audience hall. and take questions yeah right yeah. And so um, there's that great moment where um, 
Bush is talking and all of a sudden Gore is just looming right mm-hmm. over him. Do you remember that moment? Yeah. And Bush turns around and looks at him and goes like, what the fuck? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And then goes right back to the answer. And, and Gore kind of just like shrinks. And, and what um, was that? That was I tell you exactly what it was. Here's what I heard. I heard that Rob Reiner, you know, who's big Democratic activist and director, was like, get in his face. Get in his space. Make him uncomfortable. You know, get right up in there. And and Gore was like, like an actor who doesn't really understand direction. You know, like we've all had, we've all worked with people like that who just, so he, so he literally took him literally. So he like ran across the stage and stood right next to him. And that was the, uh, what I heard was the impetus of that great classic debate moment. But it, 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 it was almost like playground violence where you walk up behind a kid for, for no fucking reason. The kid's like, what? That's what it was. It's exactly what it was. And, and, and you walk over and go, I'm stronger than you and I can take your shit. Um, have you ever heard this, that the person who wins an election is the person you can picture outside? You ever heard that one? The person who wins the election is the person you can picture outside. Most picture outside. Yeah. Why? Uh, I don't know. But if you think about it, it's true. Think about it. Like, think about everybody who's won and lost an election. And there's always one of them that you can more picture outside. Right. Tossing a Frisbee, maybe. Um... Yeah, I think it goes back to Kennedy. It's like one of them seems like they're stuck behind a desk and the other one is like out in the sun and vital and you know you know reagan on the horse the cowboy hat or whatever think when you really think about it reagan chopping wood yep michael jacakis goes outside gets in the tank and that's the end of that john Kerry goes outside and windsurfs the wrong way and that's the end of that i mean when you really when you really think about it uh, there might be something to it this may, but, and then, well, by the way, there may be nothing to it. And that's why I'm not a political well, strategist. I, I think we see Obama shooting baskets. Oh, yeah. Golfing, body surfing. Yeah. I love that. That's my favorite Obama picture ever is him body surfing. Yeah. Clinton, lot, lots of jogging. Um, and Bush was a great runner, too, I believe. Yeah. Bush Sr. Bush by the way, the great irony is there's no bigger outdoorsman than Bush Sr. But. Right. Skydiver. He doesn't, but he doesn't look like it. Doesn't look like it. No. No. He doesn't look like a guy who jumped out of a flaming airplane onto the wing, parachuted to the, into the Pacific Ocean on a life raft and survived. He did it. That's Bush Sr. Yeah. Scott. And, 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 but, and believe- yet, and yet when you look at him, you think dweeb. Right. Remember when Dana was doing it and and um, he would be going here. Here's something I would, I'd love to hear your thoughts on. Because I did this with Gore a couple of times, too. And you did it with Robert Wagner. But when when Dana's going, not going to do it. Not going to die. Not going to die. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> Come on. Well, Dana's thing is he just reduced it to the most ridiculous essence. Like, it's like you distill it and you distill it and you distill it and you distill it until it's like a bullion cube of ridiculousness. 
Yes, and and anyone that saw that would know that was Bush Senior. Also, knowing in their mind that, that Bush Senior doesn't sound like that. He's never said Naganda. <laughs> I don't think he ever said it. I, I got nah. Did he ever say Naganda? Naganda. <laughs> and yet, and yet, everybody in the world goes, "Oh, that's President Bush." <laughs> yeah. What? Oh my God! He really has that guy down pat. Be right back after this. The weather is getting warmer. It's time to ditch the jackets and sweaters for shorts and tees. But there's no need to waste money on clothes that only last one season with Quince. Now you can get high quality pieces that never go out of style. That you'll be wearing year after year. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts for $30 performance polos, and versatile flow-knit activewear. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering with the top factories, Quince cuts out the middleman and passes the savings directly onto you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. My producer recently made an order for Quince, and here's what he had to say. I'm really excited to revamp my closet with Quince. I cannot wait for my items to arrive from Quince. You know, I'm a sweater guy. I was looking at that burgundy cashmere crew neck. I love the blue chore jacket. Maybe I'll throw some joggers in there. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to Quince.com slash Rob for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Rob to get Free shipping and 360-day returns. Quince.com slash Rob. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been listening to Literally long enough, you'll know that I am a big believer in getting the help you need. Therapy has been a big, big, big part of my life and something I think we should be all doing as needed. Just like checking the oil on your car. I've spoken about this and we all carry around different stressors, big and small, we keep them bottled in and it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get the things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest. With BetterHelp, visit BetterHelp.com slash Rob Lowe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Rob Lowe. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high-performance EVs. They're certainly out here, there, but when I when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little, little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. 
So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash EV6. Kia, movement that inspires. Who was your favorite um, impressionist when you were coming up? Were you a Rich Little guy? Yeah, I mean, I, I liked all of those guys, and I still really greatly, you know, like, admire their work. But, you know, Eddie Murphy was the guy that gave me the idea, like, hey, do the impression and be funny. Mm. Be funny. Most, first and foremost, be funny. Um, right. That inspired me to change everything that I did and and do a lot of what 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 Dana was so great at was just slightly um slightly exaggerating slightly like I have pictures of these paintings of people I'll show you a couple of them right now. I used to keep these in my office at work these this this picture uh can you see this? Yes, why a duck? That's the Marx Brothers. It's the Marx Brothers, but the, who's the artist? Um, oh, it's Hirschfeld. Hirschfeld. Hirschfeld? Yeah, yeah, Hirschfeld. I would keep these in there to remind me of what I'm really trying to do at Saturday Night Live. I'm trying to do a the person. A yes. caricature. Because you know how it is, Rob. When you when you get a script that you haven't seen before, and there's, there's 30 seconds of material that's going to go out in front of the audience in just a couple of minutes... You need to be able to jump on that bitch and, and not get too fucking particular about it. Because <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you got to go out there and fucking be loaded for bear and, and take your chances with it. Um, did you like the Hirschfeld analogy? Uh, I love the Hirschfeld analogy. I, I, I'm actually looking at a Hirschfeld of the West Wing cast. Yeah. And, and, and believe me, I do not like the caricature of myself. Don't like it. Really? Why not? It's it's nothing but jawline. Worst thing, worst things could happen, Rob. I've been reduced to a human delivery system for a jaw. I need to see that. And you know the thing that he always hid his daughter's name in his paintings. You know that ne- whole thing? Nina was it? The, the Nina, yeah. You'd, you'd you'd find the Ninas and try to. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you asked me something earlier, like, how do I, how do I, how, where do I start? You know, the first thing that I start with is, because we're on the clock, have I done someone like this before? Mm-hmm. Have I tonally, for instance, um, Robert Wagner and Stone Phillips are about one one thousandth of an inch away from each other on the vocal. That, very uh, true. If you were playing them on a violin. Yeah. You're about one thousandth of an inch. The notes are. Um, I had that with Koppel and Donahue, but that's where I I start. Um, where do you start? I that's, I you know I I'm not as good as it in anywhere near. And I, it's just an instinctual thing. And what I learned from Dana and when I asked him about this is is like you're saying is more of the technical, like where in the throat is it. Mm-hmm. You know, is it is it more nasal, like 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 the, the notes, the actual physical? Where is it on the where on the fretboard of of the the guitar? Um, when I when I was doing behind the candelabra, I had this character that was really 
looked very like like pulled and almost feminine but a lot of people were playing very fey in the movie mm. and i didn't want to be the same so i gave him like a, a a voice of like it was the guy from the men's warehouse commercials i don't know if you remember that guy i don't know if they had them in the east coast you're gonna like the way you look it was that and we guarantee it we, we i guarantee it i guarantee it. um so I figured like what I figured I wanted a voice that was it was literally the men's. I just fucking did that voice. I didn't even it was like, oh, well, I'm just going to do that voice. And, it, you know, so sometimes you just pick something that you hear, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, of course, you've got an ear, kid. I literally only have one. I wonder if that has anything to do with it. I'm deaf in one ear. I've been deaf. I've, I've always been deaf in one ear. And people say you have, I have, when they say you have an ear, I go, literally, I have an ear. Yeah, my mother swore that I I, I was hard of hearing in one ear in this really? ear. Yeah. That I, I, every time I'm listening to something to, to, under, to comprehend it, I come out of this ear. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Same. I get the the head tilt, head tilt thing going. Yeah. Um, oh, I, you got to tell me this story about when you worked in Hell's Kitchen. Mm-hmm. And as I understand it, it was it was a hotel full of really gnarly, fucking badass dudes. Yeah. And you you used to regale them with was it Porky Pig having sex with Elmer Fudd? It, no, I, it was it was Popeye having sex with olive oil, and they were called the Westies. They were said to be the most violent gang in the history of New York. Uh, yeah. Wait. The Westies yeah. were the guys you were entertaining? Yeah. The most violent gang ever. Yeah. And you were entertaining them? Yeah, I mean, the two main guys were not, were I think in, in jail during my two two years stint or so. But I understood everyone there and I recognized some of the names. They were the Westies. And, um, and I, I would do Rodney Dangerfield for them. Wait, and wait I, this is at a hotel... Skyline Motor Inn on, on 10th Avenue and 48, 47th, 47-48. Yeah. And I would do Rodney Dangerfield in Spanish for them. Well, yeah. I got to hear that. Give me, give me, first of all, if I don't ask you to do Popeye having sex with olive oil on this podcast, I've failed my fiduciary. The advertisers should fire him. Everybody should fire me. Everybody. Listen, if I do Popeye having sex with olive oil, will you do my podcast, Rob? Of course. I'm in. Come on. Because I, w- <clears throat> I want to talk to you some more about what you're talking about, Trump. Yeah. Pop, all right, here we go. I'm hiking up my skirt. Here we Show go. Show me some legs. Show me this some legs. This is leg. really awful. Please forgive me, God. <clears throat> okay. All right. It's like, oh, look at the, look at the, oh, look at the little baby there. Uck, uck, uck. It's horrible. Don't tell anyone. Do you say a word to anybody? Come on, Olive Oil. It's horrible. The and the Westies loved it. Yeah, they laughed. They liked it, Rodney. Do you think they ever killed somebody and then looked over at each other and went, Uh, I did catch a rising star and there were some people from the bar that came. I don't know that they were either, any of them were Westies that night, but there were, 
just some people from the bar that came and I did the olive oil at the Catch Rising Star and it was just horrible. <laughs> just a horrible, horrible thing to happen to me. <laughs> oh, God. Do you do you remember your, your biggest bomb moment? Um because yeah. I do. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I just but I but I know that anybody who's success anybody who's successful, anybody has had a moment where they flamed out beyond belief. Yeah. If you haven't done that, then you're not in the game. Yeah. It's like if you haven't if you haven't been blindsided, then you're not playing in the NFL. Yeah. If you have if you haven't gone concussive, then you haven't, right. ha- haven't been in the league for very long. If they, if they haven't taken you into the concussion tent, you're not in show business. That's right. I mean, I, I bombed. I got booed off stage a few times. Booed off stage. That's a real thing. Well. It sounds yeah. unimaginable. Okay. Well, listen. Booker's book. Uh, that guy's pretty funny. Let just Here's another show I need a comic for. Just put those two together. The first time this happened was like Boy Scouts of America and Daytona. They paid me $5,000. The average age was 10 to 11, 12 years old and their parents. And we were warned, do not curse. Okay. Parents and their children. <laughs> and I said, God damn, pretty early in my set, mm. they started to boo mm. and they wouldn't stop booing. And I had to leave the stage. And of course, the, the mother is kind of insists on it. Now, flash forward to three years ago, I'm doing a show at one of the big hotels here in New York. And by now I played the White House and a couple of other swanky joints. All right. Yeah, exactly. Some, some good fucking gigs. So I'm getting ready to go back out on stage and I'm going to do 50 minutes. And before I go out there, I say, hey, listen, when am I going on? This is I thought it was 10 minutes ago. She said, well, they haven't finished praying yet. I was like, excuse me? They're praying. And I said, um, they're a prayer group? Is this a religious organization? And in fact, there's a chain of restaurants in the South that is a religious organization. And I said, do you know I'm from Saturday Night Live? Do you know what I talk about? Talk about my Sean Connery, my Clinton stuff, right? And I said, Oh, and by the way, I do a, a show for adults, right? And she goes, Well, there aren't that many children out there. I said, Wait a second, you say they are children with their religious parents. I come out, the Bill Clinton guy, and the booze started almost immediately. Like, it was just a bad booking. It's just a bad booking. But I suffered the horror of it, and I had to give them their money back. I mean, what? Rob, oh, yeah. Rob, you're, you're 40 minutes into your set, man. You haven't heard no laughs, no sounds, no nothing. But you've got to pretend like you've you just got to keep performing oh. the thing. And then at the end of it, they made me give the money back. The so that, ultimate indignity. That's a pretty bad one. That's a bad one. That's about, I, I just love hearing those stories. I love it. I, I did a job. I did a job. At, at, and conversely, in the Bronx, everyone said everyone there was mobbed up and they had a buffet line after. And the guy comes up with a folded up 20 and he hands this to me and he goes, this is for the one about the Ayatollah. 
<laughs> he paid per joke. Yeah, he's like, the one about the Ayatollah. Here you go. That would be an interesting thing to put into the, the like, it, once we can actually get together and have audiences again, maybe you pay per, like, there should be a thing where, like, you pay per joke. Like, if the joke really kills, you contribute. People have to pay a, li- have to pay a little bit more. They just do. And if it's not good on the on the plus side for the audiences, they don't have to pay shit. But like, <laughs> oh, you and I might have just come up with a new reality uh, like game show together. I'm just telling you, mm-hmm. pay per joke. And like you wear a heart monitor. And like, that's how you know, like there's no, it's like if your heart goes, you're laughing. It is what it is. There's no lying. And then you got to pay. That's amazing. You know, when Sarah Palin was uh, hosting or co-hosting, the FBI had, a, I was told, had this imaging equipment where you can see the brain laughing. You can see the brain, the thermal imaging of the brain enjoying itself. And also maybe preparing to kill. You know, a, a, you can see agitation. So in Rob Lowe's uh, club, we put thermal imaging up on the screen. Well, we find out what. Hang on. And you're, and you're like, hey, listen, you only gave me $5. I need $20 because I saw how fucking ha- you know, funny you thought this was. Wait, wait, wait. I, look, I love developing new shit for myself as much as you can possibly imagine. But I'm more interested in the F. You just telling me the FBI has the technology to look at your brain at Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. to see if you're going to murder someone or laugh at a joke. I was told that the FBI and I did not speak directly. It's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Where do you think they put the machine? Um, um, can you make room for the FBI's machine here under the bleachers? It's some sort of machine. I don't. I don't really understand. Please let me be clear. I everyone. No, no, was no! Up. Don't misunderstand. It's for the FBI. No, 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 no! Don't misunderstand. <laughs> we all. I mean, a few of us thought. That they had that, and that's what we were talking about that night. And they and that it was in a briefcase or a violin case. To, see, to me, this sounds like someone who's been up for too many days. Like, that's the hit I'm getting off this. It's like, the FBI's here. They, they've got a machine. It can, well, it can right. tell if it's funny or not. Get I bet sleep. you we can find out online. Fucking get some NyQuil. Get some NyQuil in you. I bet you we can find out online if they have that ability. Thermal image. It's thermal imaging. It's not. Isn't that a real thing? Yes, it just tells you there's a human being behind that wall. Oh. It didn't tell you. <laughs> it's like nights, you're in the woods at night. You put it out there. Oh, there they are. They're behind that pine tree. Yeah. That's what it does. Yeah, it's not telling you if it likes the monologue. You fucking idiot. Stop doing blow and get some sleep. <laughs> and we, we reveal the FBI's new technology. I love it. Well, I'm, I bet you there's a way to find out if they have that, because that's what I heard. I believe it. Because could it also detect sexual arousal? <laughs> I'm saying. I think the next thing you need to do is Popeye being thermal image. It's hot. <laughs> that might be the worst Popeye anybody's ever done. I don't Mine, think so. I'm talking about. Just take the kick, kick, kick and put it in the back of your throat. So you... I can tell you what, my Popeye is better than Robin Williams was. I can tell you that. Well, I can tell you what, I think you just nailed the, the, the laugh. 
The mu- think of it as mu- is I always think of it as a musical note. Uck, 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 uck. Come on, man. You can go. You're ready to go on the road. This is why I'll never be Joe Rogan because I do this kind of shit on my show. <laughs> all right, this is terrible. We've done all you, we can do. You're like a movie star, and you're doing Popeye with me. Oh. It's good. <laughs> this is what I was born to do. I'm a character actor in a leading man's body. I believe that. I too. am. 100% I am. Yeah. It sounds right. Daryl Hammond, this is so fun. This is great. Um, and to be continued. We got to do and more. You have, you have said you will do my podcast, correct? Yes, I'm in. I've, it's publicly, it's on the public record right now. Fantastic. There's nothing that can be done. I'm, I'm, I'm backed in. Awesome. Thank you All for right, a killer is- afternoon. That's so fun. Thank you. All righty. <laughs> I think Daryl's off the line now, so I can, I can, I can, I can do, work on my Popeye without his hectoring. Means me back in your throat. Whatever, Daryl. I don't know. Have you had enough yet? I think you have. <laughs> uh, that was really fun, though. And thanks for listening, as always. It is time. For the lowdown line. Hello, you've reached literally in our lowdown line, where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hey, Rob, how you doing? Brian from Moorhead, Minnesota. Uh, actually a fellow podcaster, so I'm loving your show. Uh, my question for you is, who would be a dream guest, someone who's no longer with us, that you would love to have had the chance to interview on your show? Hey, Brian. Um, really good question. And I'm going to just go with the first name that popped into my head without editing myself. JFK. First of all, as a podcaster, you understand. The voice is everything. And um, I'll spare you my bad JFK. No, I won't. I am actually going to try to do it. Well, Rob, I, uh, no, that's really bad. He sounded like Bugs Bunny. I bailed on that. I bailed so fast on that JFK. Not doing it. Um, I think he'd be great. I think JFK, he was, look, he was the very first telegenetic president. I think he would be the very first podcast genetic president. Although, you know, Obama's on a podcast. So there's that. But, um, yeah, I would like JFK. Um, he's charismatic. He's one of my favorite presidents. Um, lived an amazing life. People loved him. Um, you know, you could you could ask him. You could ask him who he thinks killed him. How about that? Now that would be a podcast. Thanks for the question. And I'll see you next week on Literal. You have been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe. Produced and engineered by me, Devin Tory Bryant. Executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile. Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. And Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Stitcher. The supervising producer is Aaron Blaird. Talent producer, Jennifer Samples. Please rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. And remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been 
a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.